everyone. Shannon Waller here with Dan Sullivan. And today we're going to talk about something that's come up recently in the workshops due to a very particular circumstance that we've had about making team members irreplaceable. So Dan, we've had an interesting teamwork situation come up with one of our key people with regard to putting on the quarterly books. Would you like to kick off our conversation, just share with everyone what happened and what your response to people's questions have been about it? Because it's a pretty interesting circumstance. I think a lot of other people would respond differently. Yeah, well, I've had a project going on two years now where I'm producing a brand new small book every quarter, and I've committed to do this for 25 years, which is 100 quarters, so 100 small books in 100 quarters. One of the things that I had been experimenting with prior to this was the use of cartoons as an added dimension. So you have the text in the book, and then there's a section in each chapter where you have cartoons which tell the whole story in visual form. And I've developed a terrific relationship over the years, teamwork relationship with Hamish McDonald, who has been with us for 17 years. He's a terrific writer. But along the way, we discovered that he had this other skill, which was cartooning. And periodically, he would do things just to illustrate some of the coach concepts that we were doing. And I was so knocked out by one, his talent, but the other thing is just the impact that cartoons had. So we agreed right from the beginning that the books would be fully illustrated with cartoons. So we completed seven books on schedule, seven books in seven quarters. But then at the beginning of the last period, which would produce the eighth book, Hamish was experimenting with riding bicycle again and got into an unfortunate accident in busy traffic, morning traffic coming to the office, and went over the handlebars, and he broke both of his wrists and his right arm. He's right-handed, so this is very, very inconsistent with cartooning. So <laughs> I've had a lot of orthopedic injuries myself, breaks and such not Achilles tendon injuries, and I know that the healing period for a break is three months anyway. If you get a good surgery, then you get three months after that. And I was just faced with the fact that we had to come up with a different solution for the next 90 days, which we actually did. We did all the writing. We did the recording, the normal audio recording for the little books. But then we took it further just to sort of recover from the setback and we created an ebook version of the book. So even though we couldn't deliver a physical book for the next quarter, the book is the self-managing company, what we were able to do is create a complete ebook version. So it's the exact text that we would have had if it was a physical book. We did a very, very good two-hour audio recording. And then in addition to that, I went into the video studio and I did a 50-minute walkthrough so that extended the value of our little book series by adding an ebook, which people would get the actual book, they'd read it, but they could send the text to many. Some people send it to dozens of people, and I suspect probably we'll see people who send it to hundreds of people. And that's terrific for us because it spreads the word widely. The other thing was to do the video, and I use this example in the workshop is how do you recover we have a thinking process in Strategic Coach called the Experience Transformer, and I just walk the whole 
workshops in the past quarter through our setback. It was sort of a breakdown and how we translated it. One of the points I make about Hamish in the Experience Transformer is that I couldn't have replaced him as a cartoonist. The ability is too unique. The teamwork that we have is too unique. I think several clients in the course of the quarter said to me, he kind of holds you hostage with his capability. Why do you allow yourself to be in a situation where someone is irreplaceable? And I said, well, that's a very interesting word that you're using, irreplaceable. And I said, I actually want as many of my team members that I have around me in all areas of the business, I actually want them to be irreplaceable. In other words, I want them to be so good at what they do that they're capable of producing very, very unique results. And that's exactly what I'm aiming toward. So the reason why he's irreplaceable is because that's my goal. Now, for most people, the idea of having irreplaceable team members is actually terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's not exciting, and it runs counter to a lot of business thinking that's out there. As I was thinking about this podcast before we came on, Shannon, I was thinking, why am I so passionate about having irreplaceable people where, with a lot of entrepreneurs who are very successful entrepreneurs, their objective would be just the opposite, that they would never be in a situation where they were that dependent on someone's skill. And I said, I think it has to do with what the end game is for why you're being an entrepreneur. My feeling is I see a real fork in the road between entrepreneurs here, and more so as we've gotten into the game-changing idea. When an entrepreneur becomes a game-changer, What I mean by that, that they are doing something so different in their marketplace, in their industry, that all their competitors come to them and want to be students, they want to be clients and customers of what somebody, you know, a competitive colleague in the market is actually doing. They think very, very differently about their future and who they have around them than someone who just wants to make a lot of money and is aiming towards retirement, is aiming towards a really great lifestyle, and whose measurements is really a lot in social status. So that person would be very fearful of having irreplaceable people. And this distinction of that sort of person from who I think I am, and more and more this is who we're attracting as game changers in the program, they don't really have having goals. In other words, it's not about what they own and what their social status is. It's actually about a certain activity in the future that is increasingly fascinating and motivating to them, and there's no retirement in their mind whatsoever. They just see themselves growing and growing and growing until you know the lights go out, and <laughs> the only thing that stops them is death. And that would certainly be my motivation, you know, that whether I'm thinking 10 years ahead or 25 years ahead, I'm still doing what I'm doing, but at a much higher level. And what's allowing me to operate at a much higher level is the fact that I'm surrounded by a vast team, an expanding team of irreplaceable people. So it's a different game. And my feeling is that this is entirely mindset about what your ultimate objective is in being an entrepreneur. So I can see very well that people who are just using their business as a vehicle 
for a personal life where they have great status in the community and they want to work as little as possible or actually sell their company or be retired from their company, they would not be interested in this irreplaceable team member idea at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, which is a very interesting distinction. And so often why when I'm invited to what I would call conventional business networks, you know, where you have associations of businessmen, and I've always found that my message doesn't go over really big with these associations. And I think the reason is that I'm a being entrepreneur and I'm talking to a bunch of having entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And it makes a big difference. And what I'm talking about just doesn't connect with the audience. And I often wondered about that. Why doesn't it? And they don't have the goal of being something bigger and better than they are right now. And it seems to me they're also measuring themselves against other people's standards. It's rather, comparison. Rather it's very much of a comparison-driven life. They're married to someone who is a comparison-driven person, probably satisfies some childhood goals, how they grew up and and everything like that. And, you know, I have a great lifestyle, and we have beautiful surroundings and everything else, but none of those things were ever a goal. Mm -hmm. It comes with a success. It's kind of a byproduct. And mine has always been taking a look at myself within my unique ability, and this is another crucial difference, Shannon, is the fact of our central philosophy and strategic coach that the entrepreneur should be totally in his or her unique ability and then is surrounded by team members, each of whom is also in his or her unique ability. And it's that getting to the unique ability on everybody's part and then spending a lot of time there and having phenomenal teamwork with each other, that's what creates the irreplaceability. I look at you and how you've grown over 25 years in Strategic Coach, and I said, you know, she's absolutely irreplaceable. I mean, there's no way we, you know, if something were to happen to you and you're not here anymore, I mean, there's just no, I wouldn't give it a moment's thought of replacing you because I think it's impossible. Thank you. I feel the same way about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've also talked, Dan, about there's a different reward system that goes with people as you want. Mm-hmm. If you want to develop their unique <clears throat> ability and develop them to be irreplaceable, and I think the distinction of being a having versus a being entrepreneur is quite profound because as a being entrepreneur, you have to be willing to share certain things that other people are not. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what those two things are? Yeah. One of the things I've found in my teamwork, and you know, this would go for Hamish McDonald, my cartoonist, is that I want to give him bigger and bigger responsibility with every quarter as we go forward. But at the same time, what I want to do is make him enthusiastic about the greater responsibility by giving him greater power. One of those is just decision-making about, I mean, I offer him suggestions on what the cartoon should look like, but ultimately it's his judgment. He's the cartoonist. I'm not the cartoonist. So I can talk about impact. I can talk about which copy points to emphasize with the cartoons and what the overall message should be. But it's strictly up to him, decision-making. And I don't second-guess him. I mean, there's tweaks here and there. But usually it's about a 10%. uh, We could do this over here. We could do this over here. It's nothing major. But more and more, he defines the cartoons And, you know, if I lost him, I don't think I'd replace him because it was a unique relationship. We'd do something else. So 
<laughs> we came close. And so <laughs> I just measured my thinking as we were going through it, you know, and there was never in my thought that we would seek back up or anything else. We'd do something else. We'd come up with another solution. Maybe we would go much more into video and maybe we'd do interviews to emphasize the books, but we wouldn't be going in that direction again. Mm-hmm. The term that popped into my mind as you were talking about how you work with Hamish, it's really as a creative collaboration. Yes. And it's a partnership. Yes. It's not you're the boss and he's the peon yeah. <laughs> just delivering on the work. I think the other aspect of this, which I find so fascinating, is how it helps develop people. You know, in the other system, in the traditional, you know, slot yourself into where we need you is that we tend to treat people as though they're machines. It's very depersonalizing. It's very dehumanizing. But this actually brings out the very essence and what is most human and creative about people. And what they end up producing is completely unique. Yeah. I think that we're kind of in a discussion in modern times in the 21st century, and I have great interest in technology. And what I notice is kind of a narrative that's coming out of the technological people that, you know, ultimately intelligent machines are going to completely replace people. People are going to become obsolete. And they say this with a certain sense of glee, not realizing that (laughs) one of the intelligent machines is going to replace them. And it almost seems like a suicidal thought, or it's a humanity-hating thought. And I'm noticing more and more this hatred of humanity that comes out of the technological circles. And I often wonder what it is. The interesting thing about it is, and I haven't sent this out as a tweet yet, but the basic thinking of the message is, in order to make machines as intelligent as humans, you have to make humans as stupid as machines. (laughs) And one of the ways to make a human being stupid is to actually make them replaceable, treat them like they're replaceable parts, because they will shut down on their originality, they will shut down on their creativity, they will shut down on their engagement level, and they'll simply show up as operating parts because they're being dehumanized. But it's the humanity that makes things special in our life. It's the fullest expression of individual uniqueness and humanity, which actually makes life meaningful and gives life enormous emotional and psychological rewards. And along the lines of this irreplaceable discussion, they said, well, if you make them irreplaceable, they're going to hold you hostage. And I said, not really. I said, if anything, we're going to mutually hold each other hostage because I'm giving them power and freedom to operate within their best abilities. And as far as I'm concerned, they can do that for a lifetime. And I have to say that I've created for them a situation, or our company has, because we take this attitude towards the whole company, that uh, we're creating a situation for our best people that in their life is absolutely irreplaceable. If they lost their position with Strategic Coach, there's no way they could ever find it or create it in another setting. So the irreplaceability goes on both sides, but I'm going to commit myself to 100% on my side because my future freedom as an entrepreneur depends upon the growth of this irreplaceable, unique ability teamwork. Mm, I love it, Dan. Thank you. Well, next time, let's dive more into how to create that successful teamwork 
and how to stay on your side of the line. So thank you. This is fascinating, and I can't wait to take it further. 